You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups Hamas and Hezbollah to the story of Nakba to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, which is a podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. With me today is the one and only Katie Stoll, whose name I apparently don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> on my second take of using this very normal name. I don't know. I, I welcome all pronunciations. The, the more creative, the better. So Katie Stoyle is my guest today <laughs> yes. from some more news and Worst Year Ever, which maybe did the Worst Year Ever come to a close? I Who's to say? Did it? Okay. Has no, it? I, I have no ever. idea. Has it even begun? Okay. I don't know. There's a podcast and you can listen to it. Although you shouldn't. You should only listen to this podcast. Yeah. Because Katie's on this podcast too. So you have everyone you need. Yeah. Why go elsewhere? I know. And we also have Sophie, who is our producer. Sophie, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's all, that's, that's, all, that's what you're getting today. <laughs> okay. We, we've been chatting for a a good 30 minutes, 20, 25, 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's just so good to see you, Sophie. Both of you, Margaret, you as well. Oh. But, you know, Sophie, I just, I haven't seen her face in a few weeks. I know. Katie and I, Katie and I are, are connected in a beautiful way. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, after a year, like after uh, several years that we've experienced, <laughs> the decade we've experienced in the last two years, uh, I don't know. Everybody that you see regularly become like li- little life rafts or something. Yeah, that even like my um, the nonprofit job I also work, I like look forward to the everyone mm-hmm. meetings on Zoom, and it's really embarrassing because I just like join and I'm like, "Hello, everyone, how was your week?" And everyone's like. We hate work meetings. And I'm like, but how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, want to yeah. talk about work. I just want to talk yeah, yeah. about their dogs. Work can wait. Work can wait. I am. Yeah, um, yeah it, my, my relationship to Zoom has evolved so much. Uh, you know, <laughs> at first there was the novelty. Then there was just so much resentment and uh, to needing to be on Zoom. And yet that's what we had. And your gra- gratitude as well. But now it's a way of life almost yeah. because... I'm not going to drive across town for a meeting. 
I yeah. oh my god and park as it, no and park every time I try to park <sighs> my heart races and I'm just grateful I'm grateful for this little portal into people's lives my opportunity to connect and then people get to use it from wherever the heck they want to be sometimes you get glimpses of vacation sometimes your friends have done something bold and moved to a new city where it's more affordable <laughs> or they moved to where I moved where parking is easy I'm like I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Parking. Uh, that sounds like literal heaven to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know what I'll do next time I have to drive into a city. I went to three different coffee shops today because I couldn't park at the first two. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. It really is an anxious thing. I, I think, do you guys know Miranda July, the yeah. performance artist? No, Mar Margaret, Margaret absolutely does not. But continue. No, I don't Margaret know anybody. Yeah. I don't know. She I don't know if it was a podcast that she was on, but I heard that she grew up growing up. Her mom if, would look for parking exactly once. And if there was nothing that they just go home and <laughs> she has all this That's anxiety so about plans falling apart, like like, oh, no, you can't find parking. Wait, 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 don't. And it's like, honey, no, we're we're not going home. We'll still get ice cream. <laughs> it's just need to. <laughs> We just need patience. Anyway, that. Well, that's a perfect segue because yeah, um, really hold on, let's see, how can we do this? So freedom is important. <laughs> the freedom mm -hmm. to be able to park yes. is important. And another type of freedom that is important is reproductive freedom. Yes. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking less about abortion. Uh, we covered that on our episodes about the Jane Collective. But instead, we're going to talk about the fight for two different things that go well together, but unfortunately have been put at odds against each other sometimes, which is first, the right to choose to not have children, and second, the right to choose to have children. Uh, because we live in such a fucked up, racist, moralizing country that in the past couple hundred years, we've had to fight for both. And Oh, Margaret, I'm thrilled you invited me on for this conversation. And Yay. that I didn't know the topic until right now. I can't wait <laughs> for this. <laughs> this is something that Katie and I talk about all the time, just mm -hmm. in like friendship stuff. So cool. that's why I knew Katie would be our, our person for this. I'm excited. Well, I think you already know, but you should interrupt and interject at, at any point, either of you, um, about any of these things. Okay. So first, and unfortunately, I really don't like doing this. I have to start with a bad person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you're a reasonable person, your first question would have to be, why the fuck would anyone be against anyone's right to choose whether or not they want to use birth control? That doesn't make any sense. Like, this isn't even the abortion question, so you can't even pretend like it's about babies' lives or whatever. Right. But it turns out that some people really, really don't like other people having fun. And this is coming from someone who picked the last name Killjoy. <laughs> so I want to introduce you to today's villain, Anthony Comstock which is, oh. he's the namesake of one of the worst groups of laws ever written, the Comstock Laws. Oh, okay. Anthony fucking Comstock hated cussing. He also <laughs> hated... <laughs> thanks, thanks. No, that's funny. He hated gambling, <laughs> and he hated fucking, and he hated fun, and he decided to take it out on the entire fucking country. And I'm going to cuss extra hard when I'm talking about him, because I hate this fucking guy. As you should. As you should. And he was born on March 7th, 1844 in New Canaan, Connecticut. He cut his teeth on being a little shit really early on, and he was never afraid to brag about it. Most of what we have about his life, all of the horrible things he did, 
he bragged about them. He wrote these like books about himself in order to like be a weird, famous asshole guy. And he would say, I did this horrible thing. Isn't that cool? And most people said, no, that is not cool. Anthony Comstock, what are you doing? And Wait, then, like what kind of stuff? Well, when he was a kid, he uh, he decided to drive out the evil, evil booze merchant out of his town. <gasps> he broke into the bar, turned on all the taps so the beer like would get wasted and fuck up the floor, and then left a note saying, get out of town or else. And successfully oh drove out the He sounds the like a real fun time. Yeah. This is like a, a real Karen kind of vibe here. Yeah, yeah. This is like the most aggressive... This is the the mother of all Karens. Yeah, yeah, okay. And like Karens, he both uses the law to do all of his evil shit, but he obviously doesn't actually care about law because here he is like bragging about breaking in and doing all this other shit that's completely illegal. His older brother died in the Battle of Gettysburg in 19, uh, 1863. I wrote down 1963. <laughs> 1963. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. different Gettysburg. Yeah. So Comstock did the only reasonable thing that he did in his entire life, and he joined the Union Army. In the army, okay. he was, and you will be shocked to know this, a little shit. Uh, he kept bothering all of his fellow soldiers. He wanted them to attend church, and he would, like, complain about how they would cuss and talk about sex and be soldiers, you know? Yeah. So eventually they got sick of all of his nagging, and they trashed all his shit. <laughs> so no one likes this guy. No, I, I, no, I really don't think anyone does. The war ends. Anthony moves to Brooklyn, and he gets a job as a sales clerk at a dry goods store. He buys a house in Brooklyn, which is, I guess, something you can do with a clerk job in the 1860s. Yeah, back then things were different, you see. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It was still Brooklyn, though. I have a feeling they're going to chew him up and spit him out. Maybe not. Uh, I, you know, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to it. So he, okay. So he decides to continue his, his moral crusade. And some sources claim that he was spurred on by how disgusted he was by seeing how his fellow soldiers had acted. You know, this is how he knew that something was wrong with this country and needed cleaning up. And he's the man to do it. So Ugh. one day, one of his fellow employees has a venereal disease. And I guess he tells Comstock, which was his first mistake. <laughs> yeah, why would you tell it to that guy? You know, I don't know. Um, he clearly doesn't want to talk about sex. And he got it after he had started buying erotic literature from a local bookshop. Wait, he got... The, there's not actual causality here. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. He went there and he came back with the disease, but... What happened in between, we don't know. So he started reading dirty stories, and then, supposedly, he went out and got himself a venereal disease. Gotcha. Okay. So Comstock decides that books should be blamed for this guy getting the clap, or whatever it was. So he he marches down to the bookstore, he buys some smut, and then goes and grabs a, a police captain and to come and arrest the bookseller for selling the smut. And it's here that we should point out that our man Anthony Comstock suffered his whole life from what he described as a deeply, deeply shameful problem. Is it that he is a narc? Because well, <laughs> I bet it's something sexual. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. he he masturbated. Oh my god! Oh, for shame! Yeah, which he's so probably... different. <laughs> 
gasp. I am gasping in shock. I know. <laughs> and so was he. Um, yeah. <laughs> quite often. And other things. <laughs> yeah. Wink. And so basically, this is his pattern his entire life. He buys dirty stories. He feels guilty about them and he ruins people's lives. And he goes on and he gets all of the book vendors in this open air market arrested for selling books full of words he doesn't like. And he eventually, he learns, he must be keeping track. I suspect he buys them all. There are exactly 169 dirty books available for sale in New York City at this time. Wait, how many? 169. Oh, okay. So he starts going after the publishers. And this actually gets to one of the darkest parts of Comstock's story. He goes after one publisher, a man named William Hayes, and he sets out to take him down. William Hayes kills himself as a result of this harassment. And Comstock later brags that he drove 15 people to suicide over the course of his life. And I wish I knew more about what happened here, because if it was just one person, if it was just this guy, I'd be like, okay, he got scared. He didn't want to go to jail and he took his own life. But 15 people, I like wonder what's up, whether he was just like, and then they got scared and killed themselves or whether he's like specifically pressuring people into suicide, whether he's actually just murdering people and then calling it suicide I, or whether it was all coincidence. Probably not coincidence. Yeah. Any iteration sounds pretty evil. Yeah. 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 So Hayes dies and Comstock goes and gets the local YMCA to give him enough money to buy all the printing plates off of Hayes' wife so he can dissolve them in acid because this is how much he hates the books. It's not enough that he destroyed all the books or the publisher. He also needs to then get enough money to buy the plates and destroy them. Totally reasonable um, reaction yeah. to, well, not going to make any assumptions about his masturbation habits, but at worst, it's some sort of an addiction. And uh, yeah, so yeah. yeah, let's just go yeah. and, and do this. But also it's not. He just doesn't like the idea of sin at all. <laughs> He often talks about how, like, the devil drives him to masturbate and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the YMCA, which is not the YWCA, even though I keep saying YWCA because I used to go to the gym at the YWCA. The <laughs> YMCA made him secretary of their Committee for the Suppression of Vice. And soon he is confiscating hundreds of thousands of dirty pictures, song lyric sheets, sex toys, whatever he can score. Sometimes he destroys it. An awful lot just goes into this massive collection he keeps in a warehouse. And around this time, a woman makes the first run for president of the U.S., Victoria Woodhull. She's actually too young to run for president, so her campaign is based on uh, we will abolish the United States Constitution and rewrite <laughs> it so that it's just and decent. Yes. Okay. I know. No, she's she's interesting. She um She paid for her campaign mostly with the fortune she made as the first woman stockbroker which she did as a socialist. What? Yeah. Where is she? It sounds amazing. She ran a newspaper that, was an, that advocated for sex education, free love, suffrage, vegetarianism, socialism, all that shit. Victoria Woodhull. Thank you. Victoria Woodhull. I'm writing her down. Yeah, she gets complicated a little bit later, but... Um, as they, most of them do. Yeah. And one of the things that she actually right there. <laughs> one of the things that she did that I think also rules is that after before abolition, the suffrage movement and the abolition movement were fairly friendly, right? And then after the um, after abolition of slavery or the abolition of certain forms of slavery in the United States, I say it that way because prison slavery is still legal according to the Constitution. But sure. 
women, uh, white women started being shittier on race issues after that, right? And one of the things that she did as a white woman is try to bring the suffrage movement back into solidarity with black civil rights movement. And so, again, just did all kinds of cool shit. Near the end of her life, she was a Christian socialist the whole time. Near the end of her life, she kind of backed it all up and was like, no, I'm a regular Christian now, not a Christian socialist. Mm -hmm. Started saying promiscuity is bad and then was like claiming other people wrote all the stuff that she wrote. But at this point, she's all fire and feminism and cool as hell. And Comstock does not like that a woman is running for president. So he's watching her, waiting for her to slip up so he can arrest her. When her newspaper runs a column that exposes a celebrity minister for cheating on his wife, Comstock arrests her for obscenity for talking about sex in her fucking newspaper. Oh, wow. This guy. This guy's a real piece of work. He's just waiting, like this annoying shadow, just like waiting to pop out and stop everyone from actually not being ashamed of, you know, a human animal. He's just spewing his own self-hatred. Yep. Uh, The story as old as time. Mm. (laughs) So the case gets dropped and Woodhull had the following to say about him, which I'm I'm quoting a write-up about Comstock in LitHub by Devin Leonard. From Maine to California, we believe the new order of Protestant Jesuits called the YMCA is dubbed with the well-merited title of the American Inquisition. We do not mean by this to assert that its leaders are like those of the Spanish Inquisition of the same nature. We should no more think of comparing Comstock with Torquemada than contrasting a living skunk with a lion. So it's both an Inquisition and also a shitty one. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) So Comstock's like, fuck, I, I didn't get to arrest this person. I need more legal power. So he needs more laws passed to do his Inquisition shit. So he grabs a bunch of neat stuff from his warehouse full of neat stuff. And he goes off to show it to Congress. And while he was there, he took special note to talk shit about how all the women he saw at the White House were far too much makeup, too low cut of dresses, and they did not deserve respect. Oh, my God. This guy. Yeah. This fucking guy. So in 1873... Newspapers are like, hey, this is obviously a restriction of free press. You can't do this. But Comstock got his bill, the Comstock Act, which is an anti-obscenity law. And specifically what it does is it prevents you from sending obscene things through the United States mail. The Postmaster General is like, all right, you're our guy, Anthony Comstock. Go out and make sure that no one ever talks about sex ever again. (laughs) And the YMCA keeps paying his salary, even though he's a government official now. And he gets a special government ride any train anywhere free ticket, and he's to go stop vice in America. Oh, my God. I feel like there's a movie in there. I know. I know. And the problem is that most of the people who make this movie would try to make him, like, relatable. No. You know? Or, like... He's got to be a bad, bad guy. He is a yeah. bad guy. You yeah. can't make him relatable. And credit where it's due, he targets fake medicine and financial scams as well as gambling and pornography and sex work and everything else and uh, sex education. And we'll get to that. But I I suspect that even when he was like coming after like, quote, fake doctors, he probably just used as an excuse to be a misogynist. I I can't imagine otherwise. And his true love was stopping people from looking at porn, then confiscating the porn, then adding it to his collection, then writing long treatises in his diary about how he's overcome by the devil to make him touch himself. So he would just confiscate this long. Let me get it. (laughs) Okay. 
he passed this law. Okay. And he's going around making sure people don't look at porn anymore. And he takes away their porn and he, he keeps it for himself. An awful lot of it. He destroys a lot of it because he's there's there's he's millions of pounds or something of books. I have the numbers at the end. I don't remember them off the top of my head. He destroys a lot of it, but he keeps an awful lot of it as like evidence or whatever. He also he hates abortion and mm. he hates it so much that he drags patients away in the middle of procedures still bleeding. Ah, what? Like he goes in. How did they let him in? It was different back then. Fucking Johnny Law. Yeah. Like the closest to an anonymous hero in the story is one pornographer who almost got him with a knife and stabbed him in the face or cut him in the face. But then Comstock successfully like took him down and disarmed him and arrested him. And so unfortunately, instead of dying, which is what should have happened, he got a wicked scar and everyone was like, whoa, that guy is a wicked scar. What a badass. Don't fuck with him. All he got was credit. Yeah. On the other hand, he wrote most of the fucking stories about him. So God only knows what happened. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That is funny. You can't believe any of that press. And within a few years, he's kind of succeeded at cracking down on porn in the United States. It's impressive. So smut became hard to come by. So he started arresting other people because he has to arrest somebody. And it turns out you can call a lot of stuff smut. You can call anatomy textbooks smut. Oh, you can boy. call nude art smut. And you can, relevant to today's story, say anyone talking about birth control or sexual liberation is producing smut and should be arrested. It's fun discovering the fucked up ways things started here. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, we still have these kinds of conversations in terms of like Instagram or, yeah, I mean... There's lots of different variations of this conversation, but yeah. like what's, yeah. Anywho, anywho. No, that's such a good point and so relevant. The fact that like on Instagram, you can't post nudes. Like there's no like, I don't want minors to see my page choice. There's just like sex is still completely like not allowed to be talked about, you know. on Yeah. And it's, and it can be traced back to. Yeah. You know, this one person who clearly has problems. Yeah. Who clearly was dealing with a lot of mental health issues and shame. Totally. Um, yeah. And so so the next really brief story is one that I can't source because I read this 10 years ago and I don't know where I read it. And I spent so long <laughs> trying to find it. But apparently during this time in both the UK and the US, I believe, since sex education was illegal and contraception and teaching people about contraception was illegal and porn was illegal, people who wrote dirty stories would just start throwing in the information about contraception and sex education into the stories. Because like in for a penny, in for a pound, you're already fucking, you're already a felon. So fuck it, you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would use the same, again, I can't source this, but they would use the same printers as well, right? And it was the same printers that all the anarchists and all the revolutionaries were using because the people willing to print all the felony stuff are the people willing to print the felony stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. But this is a podcast about cool people, not little shits like Anthony Comstock. So I want to talk about some of the people who went up against him, the the cool people who um did cool stuff. Yes, please. So Angela and Ezra Haywood, and they were okay. two Massachusetts-based abolitionists, feminists, and anarchists. They met through their work in the abolition movement. 
Most notably to history, they were free love activists, which at the time was less specifically about polyamory and more about consent in relationships and marriage, having consent and access to reproductive freedom and basically like get the state out of the bedroom was a lot of what free love was about. Yeah, no, they were. I really like them. I love hearing this. I love hearing about people's ideas and how long how long people have been dancing around the the truth of things. Yeah, totally. And to be clear, it was also about polyamory and shit for some of them, but not yeah, all sure. of them. Like some people were like free love and monogamous, you know. So yeah. in 1872, they start a monthly magazine called The Word dedicated to all the shit they're into. And also, like a bunch of 19th century radicals, they named their kids really weird shit. In this case, they named their kids Greek gods. Psyche, <laughs> Angelo, Vesta, and Hermes are their four kids. They're just some fucking hippies. I know. These people are complete hippies. Almost everyone who comes <laughs> up against Comstock are hippies. And yeah. they're really weird in awesome ways. Angela Haywood was descended from John Locke, a philosopher that I should know more about than I do. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Her mom actually taught her kids sex education. So she grew up being told, mm. like, the birds and the bees or whatever. She wasn't well-educated. She worked as a housemaid, and she joined the abolitionist movement despite sort of not being a well-educated person. A lot of the white people involved in the abolition movement in the North at the time were, like, more well-to-do, but she wasn't. And in this movement, she, she meets her, her beau. She meets Ezra. In 1873, which is the same year that the Comstock laws went into place, something that the Haywoods considered even more monumental happened. The New England Free Love League of Boston formed. Oh, and we know that this was a big uh, deal to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's read ahead, I think. So I did. <laughs> we we know this is a big deal to them because Ezra, at least, uh, he's not into Christianity, right? So he doesn't like using BC and AD for dates. He said that the problem with AD is that it recognizes a mythical god in the calendar, puts Christian collars marked JC on naturally free necks, and registers the subject of the lascivio religious despotism which the male sexual origin and history of the cross impose. So he didn't use B.C. and A.D. He used B.L. and Y.L., (laughs) which are before love and year of love. Ah! Oh, goodness. I just learned so much about this guy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's everything you need to know about him right here. And... And the year of love is, of course, 1873, when the New England Free Love League of Boston forms. And I think we're currently in the year of love 149. And Are there, we? I, I believe it so. Feel I like it. A, a, a good, that's a good point. And so, of course, their magazine starts using that notation because they're a bunch of nerds. That's cute. Cute and nerdy. At first, the magazine mostly talks about free love in the context of the labor movement. But eventually it's the other way around. And it's, you know, the labor movement in the context of free love. And it was a a prominent voice in free love, birth control, and feminism. They advocated such wild and controversial topics as men should be responsible for their actions. uh, Children should learn what sex is. Women can enjoy sex. Sex work is work and sex workers should be defended, which is still controversial in some feminist circles today. So the free love movement wasn't, it was also about hooking up with whoever you wanted. Yeah, Not sure. always, but for some people. Angela in particular was apparently inspired by the Oneida community that was running at the time, which was a religious commune where everyone decided that they were married to everyone else in the commune and could fuck whoever they wanted. And this is the place, the Oneida community is probably the place that coined the 
the term free love. Mm, and they're really complicated and culty. And I was like yeah. starting to read into them being like, oh, I'm going to include them. And I was like, not kind of fuck mind. these guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, some interesting shit came out of them. Katie, do you have a uh, good product that you would like to plug? For example, uh, previously we have plugged the concept of potatoes, the yeah. concept of tap water, a very good comb. Sure. That's a great question. Uh, have you guys considered the concept of free time? Oh, my gosh. That's I mean, I, I don't. Would they provide it to us? <laughs> Would we get yeah. sample products? I mean, it's not free. You have to work hard for it. But oh, once you have it, it's nice. Okay. okay. I mean, that's the way I've been told it works. I don't think that you can get it without working really You'll hard. You'll have to let me know, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> That is our new sponsor of the show is the concept of having free time. Oh. Um, and I'm desperately waiting for them to send free samples in the mail. Would love We're that. also sponsored by whoever comes after in this ad break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we are back and we are trying to distract ourselves from the number of shortages that are happening, which is what we talked about over the so break. Many shortages. But let's talk about the 19th century when nothing bad happened. Uh-uh. Yeah, take me back. In 1877, the paths of our heroes and our villain intertwine. You see, Anthony Comstock was quite distressed that there was someone somewhere talking about sex as something that one might enjoy. The year prior, the Haywoods had published an essay, hold on for this title, Cupid's Yokes, or the Binding Forces of Conjugal Life, an essay to consider some moral and physiological phases of love and marriage, where it is asserted the natural right and necessity of sexual self-government. Uh, oh my goodness, that is quite a title. I know, I, Brave. I really Brave. miss 19th century titling conventions. Does the title take up half the page? It is just is the cover of it, you know. Oh my goodness, all on the cover. Yeah, yeah of course, it's the title. Yeah. It's where you put it. You put the title. So the essay wasn't actually anti-marriage. Angela and Ezra were married, but it was against traditional notions of marriage. And if it was anything like other anarchist feminist texts at the time, it was probably complaining about how marriage at the time was essentially a property arrangement by which women are controlled by men. And I I skimmed this pamphlet. It's really boring. It is not smut. It's just a fucking essay with footnotes and various like anthropological ideas about sex and marriage or whatever. Not to him, though. He could get off on it. Oh, yeah. He could get off on anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Traffic cones would just fuck him up. Conjugal. (laughs) (laughs) Traffic cones. Yuck. So so Comstock, he doesn't like it. So he does what he does anytime he doesn't like something. He buys himself a copy and then he goes about ruining people's lives. He heads on down to the Free Love League uh, undercover where Ezra and Angela are, are giving speeches. One of those speeches is actually specifically against Comstock. They're just like at the meeting talking shit about Comstock. And he's like there as an undercover <laughs> hearing them talk shit on him. You know what? Good. He deserves it. I know. He goes outside and according to him, I'm just going to quote him because it's so fucking strange. The fresh air was never more refreshing. I resolved to stop that exhibition of nastiness, if possible. I looked for a policeman. As usual, none was to be found when wanted. Then I sought light and help from above. (laughs) I prayed for strength to do my duty and that I might have success. I knew God was able to help me. Every manly instinct cried out against turning my back on this horde of lust. I determined to try. I resolved that one man in America, at least, should enter a protest. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I feel sad for him, you know? I know. know. He's got such a sad life. Yeah. If this at all had happened, just like he's like in the holodeck on Star Trek or whatever. And he's just like, (laughs) yeah. So, So Ezra Haywood walks out into the lobby and Comstock arrests him. And the doorman goes off and finds Angela, who comes over and is like, look, if you're arresting my husband, I'm, I'm coming with. But there's a problem here. Anthony Comstock is the paragon of virtue. 
he can't share a carriage with Angela Haywood. Oh, my God. He, quote, felt obliged out of respect to my wife, sister, and lady friends to decline this kind offer of her company. <laughs> and I like, I want to laugh at him. That wasn't her offer, you fool. I know. I know, right? She's not like, oh, please, let me keep you company while you arrest my my husband yeah. on bullshit charges. Yeah. He's like, she's trying to fuck me. <laughs> like, yeah, this guy. And I want to laugh at him, but doesn't, isn't this Mike Pence's whole fucking thing? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's very Mike Pence-y. Yeah, so. There is something, I don't know, I know a lot about Jordan Peterson, but I actually haven't read that much of his work. But there's something, I know <laughs> that he just has that like profity type of element. There's something about him that also feels like un- sad in the Jordan Peterson kind of way. Of yeah, totally. being just so twisted anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this this officer of the law doesn't tell Haywood what he's being arrested for, doesn't show him a badge or a warrant, none of that shit. He doesn't find out till the next morning why he's in jail. So he gets put on trial and the judge is an asshole and won't let the defense call character witnesses or even call expert witnesses to testify that his pamphlets weren't obscene. Sounds legit. The pamphlets aren't even allowed to be read in court because, like, they're too dirty. <laughs> the The jury is allowed to read them with, like, the the scary parts underlined and he's found guilty he gets two years of hard labor for writing this anthropological wow. study about marriage the backlash fortunately though was quite something and it was this became like a big national issue yeah and uh at one meeting of the people getting together to try and figure out how to free him people were like joking and they were like what's next you're going to confiscate the bible it's way dirtier than this but the thing is, is that uh, Comstock later, when he's trying to arrest some suffragettes, he really, really doesn't like the suffragettes. He arrests a bunch of them for printing uh, Bible quotes. Oh, my that he God. Considers <laughs> and to be fair, I mean, there's some shit in the Bible that is like more lewd than any of this other shit. But sure. But <laughs> you're, he's going the wrong direction with that lesson. Yeah. If the Bible <laughs> yeah, is the totally. reason you're doing this, man, then chill out. Yeah. Chill out. What you're dealing with is you issue, not a a God issue. Yeah. So there's such a huge campaign that Ezra only served six months of his two-year sentence before President Hayes personally pardons him. And this wasn't like a a small deal, one for him that he got sent to prison. But Angela and their kids were were homeless actually for a while after that because they relied on the income that he provided and shit like that. The movement came through for them, and they they did get a home again. But good. So Ezra goes in and out of jail four more times in his life, including for distributing pamphlets about birth control that were written by his wife. And honestly, if that isn't love, I don't know what is. Angela, for her part, though, she's always fighting for recognition, for all the like free love and equality society, and maybe Ezra himself gave Ezra most of the credit and blame for everything the couple got up to, but. When he's on trial for distributing her writing, she gets on the stand and she's basically like, you fucking assholes. Like, why is he on trial and not me? I wrote the thing. You're just afraid that the yeah. jury would be more sympathetic to me because I'm a woman. And I'm paraphrasing, but she cussed a lot in her life so much that it always yeah. caused a stir. And like all the like proper ladies of the feminist movement didn't like that this uneducated foul mouthed firebrand was doing all this talking. Now I want a movie about her. Oh, yeah, totally. I like uneducated foul mouth firebrands. 
They're kind of my favorite yeah. sort of cool people. So I like her. Especially in this context. I know. Yeah, especially, yeah, like where the whole thing is people are like, stop cussing. And you're like, the fuck I will. I'm like, fuck you, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Maybe this is the same case, but it's hard to keep track. There's so many. He went on trial for so many different shit. He, Ezra goes on trial for advertising Comstock syringes. See, <laughs> in 1878, there's this doctor named Sarah Chase, and she gets arrested by Comstock. She's found not guilty, but she's arrested for selling syringes that you could use as douches to limit the chance of pregnancy. And they're actually fairly effective. All the spreading of birth control information, even before medicated birth control or the mass production of condoms, it dropped New York City's fertility rate by 50% in the 19th century. Wow. Yeah, I, because I, I'm kind of like, oh, well, birth control, that's condoms and, you know, the pill and IUDs Wait, and shit. You just, but, you just shoot some water up there and that'll do the it's, trick? It's other stuff as well that they're douching with. It's, and then they're like, there's a whole bunch of other, you know, for this episode about like how birth control, I actually only wrote about the, how they fought for birth control. I didn't actually write as much about the birth control methods. No, that's fine. But I'm like, yeah, more. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not as effective as what we have now. But yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. But I don't like yeah. birth control. I don't like what yeah, it does to fair me. Enough. <laughs> so yeah. the, the charges against Sarah don't stick. And so after she she's free, she starts selling the douches as Comstock syringes. And this becomes one of the main birth control methods is Comstock syringes. That's really funny. God damn, I'd like to take her out for a drink. I know. And they they advertise the douches in The Word, the, the Haywoods paper, including with the line, if Comstock's mother had had a syringe and knew how to use it, what a world of woe it would have saved us. Ah! Okay, someone write the movie and then cast me to play her. Yeah, all right. Someone <laughs> green light it and get me to write it. Yeah. Um. Sophie, you're also in charge of all movies. Is that true? Mm-mm. Oh, fuck. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Okay. okay. Well, okay. we'll circle back around to this idea. Yeah. So while he's on trial for the Comstock syringes and some other shit, Ezra Haywood defends himself in court, which is exactly like, okay, my theory is no one who invents their own system of numbering years lets anyone else represent them in court. Right? No, honestly, how could you? You're not going to be on the same wavelength at all. He wins. Yeah. He wins. <laughs> yeah, my man's a winner. <laughs> yeah. Another time he's on trial for publishing Walt Whitman poems. And Walt Whitman. Oh, that might. Yeah. He, he's a fucking asshole. He doesn't defend Ezra. Wait, he. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so he he him and Walt were working together. Walt willingly took his poems to Ezra to publish. Ezra publishes, gets taken to court and Walt doesn't back him up. That is my impression. There's a chance that this was like a reprint of something where there wasn't a direct communication with Walt. I don't know. But I do know okay. that Walt was like, well, what did you expect? Or some <laughs> bullshit. Blah. So I, yes. I was all set to be like, yeah, Walt Whitman. And then I'm like, really? Yeah, huh. that's disappointing. But well. In 1890, he gets sentenced to two years hard labor for yet another one of these things that he's always on trial for. And I wonder if Angela's getting tired of it at this point. <laughs> well, she unfortunately has a long life without him because yeah. in, in 1893, he dies in the same way that 100% of people who died in the 19th century died. Uh, being alive in the 18th century? Tuberculosis, yeah. which is the same oh, yes. as being alive in the 19th century. Yeah. 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 And he probably caught tuberculosis in jail. 
Uh, Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. The fight for birth control killed him, basically. So did being alive before antibiotics, but the combination of the two. Of those two things, yeah. Lethal combo. Yeah. And so, Sophie, this leads me into uh, what could possibly be the next ad transition, which is that... Oh, good. If big tuberculosis could throw us a couple bucks every time we talk about someone that they killed, um, I would buy everyone in my family a house. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Big tuberculosis, do you hear that? Do you guys think you want to do that? That would be really great for I mean, are uh, they still even around? Yeah, I think so. They're still around. I mean, you know, they're probably pretty desperate for more attention. Yeah, I mean, they, they're they certainly not breaking the news cycle, but with yeah. COVID, but... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they'd be into this. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I wouldn't put all your hopes and dreams on it, but it's oh, eh, worth considering. I've put all my hopes and dreams on it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we're all okay. in. It's going to okay. happen. Here's some ads for tuberculosis. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie. But they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we are back. And we are talking about people killed by tuberculosis, including cool people. And actually, now I feel really guilty. I was all set to have really positive sponsors for the show, and I gave in to death. Well, it happens but to the best of us. Angela did not give in to death for... 40 years after her fucking husband. What a, yes, what a sentence starter. Um, oh, wow. Just wow. Nice job. That's and, some queen um, shit right there. I know. <laughs> and she started being more open about her support for abortion uh, the same year that her husband died. I actually think it's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Abortions were illegal. Mentioning abortions in anything you mailed was illegal. So double badass for standing up for abortions. Yeah. And then she, she actually kind of slips out of the public eye though at this point. Sarah Chase, the the woman who invented the Comstock syringe, she's working in reproductive health care illegally, and she spent six years in jail at one point because another abortionist fucked up a procedure, and so she took the patient and tried to save the patient, and the patient died. So she spent six years in jail. After she gets out, she keeps on lecturing about sexual health and safety, all the while supporting herself with her needlework, which I guess also is a thing you could do, and lives uh, into her 70s. At one point, while she was in jail, she wrote a letter that was published in a free love journal. I think it was the Haywoods Journal, but I don't know. And to quote author Amy Sand's quoting of her, the letter ended with, The need of reform is to be seen on every hand, yet all do not see it. And those who do are unable to resist the innate hatred of injustice and wrong that impels them to try and remedy the evils that lie in their way. They do not stop to count the cost. They only say, This work must be done. And I must help. I just like it because you see something that needs yeah. fixing. You you fucking work on fixing it rather than worrying about yeah. what it's going to cost you. Yeah, I think that we all can relate to that these days. Yeah. You know, it's like we have to do it. We just. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, now, especially with climate change is like literally like, yeah, well, we, we actually have to like we are just literally all going to die of this. If we don't do this. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, I'd be willing to go get arrested. I'd be willing to do what I have to do to yeah. make sh- if that's what it takes, you know. To, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Comstock, however, continues being a fuck. Yeah. And slowly the As public. As fucks tend to do. I know. I feel like he's graduated from little shit to just an outright fuck at this mm. point. Yeah. And the public starts slowly turning against him. The The Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw coined the word comstockery for the act of failing to distinguish between art and porn. Okay. (laughs) And basically was like, seriously, the United States, this is why the rest of the world laughs at you. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Comstock wrote about himself a lot. He sold books with clickbait headlines of titles like Frauds Exposed and Traps for the Young. Odd. It's like Fox News or something. Yeah, absolutely. He died in 1915. He lived to be way too old. He made it to 72. And when he died, his house was full of pornography he'd confiscated. So the newspaper American Art News wrote this like fuck you obituary to him. um, (laughs) Basically saying like, (laughs) normally we only talk about people who are important to the art world, but 
But Comstock actually had a massive collection of art in his house. That's hilarious. And <laughs> yeah. And then says like he fucked over all these innocent people and he's terrible. And oh, so good. And his legacy is that he's been written in as the villain or the namesake of the villain of, I think, dozens of books, plays, and also the video game Bioshock Infinite. He's the amazing. The, That's amazing. That is fucking rad. I know. That's also, you know, like, yeah, there's there's all those things we can trace back to him. But also. Now, Comstock in general is a villain. <laughs> yeah, totally. His Society for the Suppression of Vice lurched on for another 35 years. Coming after James Joyce, it got Broadway stars arrested and generally was just really <laughs> fucked up. And in the end, Comstock bragged that he had arrested more than 4,000 people, destroyed <laughs> more than 15 tons of books, 4 million pictures, and he bragged about having driven those 15 people to suicide. One of the people, one of those people, one of the 15, was a, a woman named Ira Craddock, who was born in Philadelphia as an only child. She's another cool hippie. She was born in a Quaker family, so for everyone who's keeping track with the... um. Cool if you're playing cool stuff. Cool stuff, bingo, that is yeah. a quicker. Mm -hmm. um, her dad died while she was still like crawling. I think she was six months old or something. And her, her mom raised her up smart. She was all set to be the first woman led into the University of Pennsylvania in 1882. But then the, the board was like, wait, no, 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 no. She's a woman. She can't do that. Wait, did they for not realize that at first? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure someone was like, fuck it, let's do this. And then the board was yeah, like, the hell yeah. we will. She wrote books about stenography. She quit the Quakers to become an occultist. And I'm pretty sure she was happy as a, a single woman who took care of her own needs. In fact, she declared that she was married to an angel named Soph. Uh, Aww, different Soph. I think a different oh. Soph. I couldn't promise. Maybe, maybe. Oh. Eh. And that their, their sex was so loud that neighbors would complain. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So she's doing fine. She doesn't need a husband. An, a, incarnate mortal husband <laughs> and she's constantly getting arrested for writing so she writes like women's self-help pamphlets about how to make your marriage better like this like very standard thing that you can get at the checkout aisle you know yeah just how to have good sex with your husband and she gets arrested for it constantly and she spends a while institutionalized for it she's in jail a lot she consistently refuses to plead insanity everyone's like she's clearly crazy because she's an occultist and she likes sex. And finally, after a well, three month. I, also, nope. she was married to what was an angel? What was he? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. An angel named Soph. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. It's probably everything <laughs> else, but the, there was that in the mix. <laughs> I am sure that did not help convince people of her sanity. Yeah, yeah. But within the context of like the weird religious shit people yes. were and are into, you know? Yes. And so she spends three months in jail one of these times. And when she comes out, she's immediately rearrested by Comstock and she gets sentenced to five years. Uh, her pamphlet, The Wedding Night, was so obscene that the jury wasn't allowed to see it during trial. But it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And she's she's fucking convicted literally from, hey, take my word for it. It's bad to the jury. Yeah. She couldn't face going back behind bars. So at 45 years old, she killed herself and her. <sighs> Her suicide note is basically a long public letter saying, oh, my God, fuck you, Comstock. I'm glad she was able to express herself. That's fucking tragic. Yeah, he he just absolutely ruined this woman's life who was like, by all accounts, like every 
wonderful cat lady you've ever met yeah. who keeps crystals and like. So she was married to an angel named Soph. Yeah. And wrote about how people should have good sex with their husbands. This wasn't even a like everyone leave their husbands and go be witches in the woods and be lesbians it's or whatever. It's wild how not long ago this is, you know. Yeah, yeah totally. And so so Comstock, he outlives a lot of his victims, but he he doesn't win the war, I would argue. And because both sides kept fighting and are still fighting now, most yeah. obviously we've got the end of Roe v. Wade and the Christian right wing is getting pretty open about how gay marriage and birth control are like next in their war of reaction. But also there's bipartisan shit like this. Uh, Comstock was a bipartisan law to my understanding. And in 2018, Com the government passed SESTA-FOSTA, which are two mm -hmm. bills that just, just decimate the rights of sex workers mm -hmm. and the online services that sex workers use to do their work safely. It's just the same moralistic nightmare. And we're not out yeah. of it. But I don't want to say it won because, like, it's just a constant pushing and pulling. It didn't win. It just, it, but that's exactly correct. I mean, obviously, culturally, we've evolved well past this and yeah. what we accept and how we talk about sex and orgasms and sexuality and identity and all of that. But yeah, no, it's the, the, the argument and the basis is still there, you know, just like, yeah, we still have these ideas. What is smut? What is uh, needs yeah. to be censored? What is allowed? Well, versions of that morality argument obviously are still going on and continue to be used as cudgels to further entrench people, you know, in, in their team and their sides. But it's on both, you know, yeah, even Democratic lawmakers participate yeah. in this game of morality and yeah. right and wrong uh, when it comes to sex. And FOSTA-SESTA is a tragic example of that with huge implications. Yeah. No, I knew you were the right person to bring on because I feel like you talk about a lot of this stuff a lot. Like, I don't talk as much about the stuff that happens now, you know? Well, so. yeah, sure. I mean, I do. But, I, but I mean, you should. I'm like inviting you to, have, you know? Yeah, yeah. Should I should? I'm like, I can, I can talk no, about more stuff. I'm like, now Honestly, <laughs> if, no. you, if you want to go on, please do. No, no, I'm good for right now. Okay. But if something okay. else pops up, I'll, yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for today's. When we come back on Wednesday, we're going to bring the fight into the 20th century, and we're going to talk about my favorite birth control advocate, Emma Goldman, plus all the other people who, who tried to fight on the other front, the, the right to get to have children, because it's about choice, and we have to fight for both of these things. Ooh, these are such good episode ideas. So important and interesting. Thank you for inviting me on again. I loved this. Katie, do you have anything you would like to plug at the end here? Oh, boy. Goodness, gosh. Yeah, sure. Well, I've got my podcast, Even More News, that I host with Cody Johnston. And we've got our YouTube channel, Some More News. And I don't know, there might be a new show coming out on some on the Some More News YouTube channel in the near future. Yeah. That's about as much as I'm going to say about that right now. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Katie Stoll. Not Katie Stoyle. Not, Not Katie, Katie Stoyle. Stoyle. <laughs> um, uh, that's a different person. And I won't I mm. won't see I won't see anything that you tweet at me at Katie Stoyle. 
This explains Katie Stoll. a lot. Yeah, yeah. So don't, don't. I mean, you could still follow Katie Stoyle. I, I don't know what she's about, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I've continued that bit for a bit too long. <laughs> and Margaret, you have no. you have a book. You have a book that should be available for pre-order now or Ooh. soon, right? I I believe so. My book, which I'm once again vamping so that I can remember the name of my own book. <laughs> we won't be here tomorrow. My book, We Won't Be Here Tomorrow, is coming out from AK Press on September 20th and should be available for pre-order in mid-June, which might be when you're listening to this. I don't know. I don't know when you're listening to this. It might not even be pre-order by the time you listen to this. It might be um, old news. It might be burned by Anthony Comstock Jr. by the time you hear this. Perhaps. It might be. Um, That'd be hard. Or Anthony Comstock Jr. might be burned by... The book? Legally not me. Someone <laughs> else. There are so many ways this could play out. We don't know. We can't see the future. But <laughs> yeah, whatever your relationship to time is or to this recording, go check out that book. Yeah, and we won't be here tomorrow, but we will be here on Wednesday. Yes, that's my and joke. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway.